Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. I just love real. And these folks, this, this couple, I mean, they're, they're, somebody said it has to come from the heart to go to the heart. I think they were talking about this precious leadership that is over this house. And should not we honor them tonight? Should not we honor them tonight? We bless you guys. Amazing. Amazing. All right. Now, just before you take your seat, turn to your neighbor. Just pinch him on the cheek and say, looking good, baby. Looking good. Wonderful. I cannot tell you how blessed and privileged I feel to be the one that gets to, you know, open the new house, so to speak. Uh, this morning was such an honor, such a privileged place was packed this morning as well. And uh, that God would allow Carol and I to come up from the big smoke to this wonderful part, one of my favorite parts of all of Australia, out here in the country. And, and you know, not only be a part of your several nights of, of a fire or whatever, but to be a part of the house opening. Wow, we're just really blessed. And I also want to honor my wife, Carol, who uh, in five weeks we will celebrate 44 years of married life. And uh, Carol and I have been involved uh, in, a, uh, in serving the Lord together. Uh, I met her when I was in the uh, United States Army. She was in a little Baptist church. And I looked up in the choir and saw her up there in Tacoma, Washington, when I was stationed up there. And I looked at her in the choir, and I said to myself, I'm going to marry that girl right there. No word of a lie. And then I just thought, oh, I hope she's single. Because <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know. But we've been a part of a long obedience in one direction, like you guys. You guys have been part of a long obedience in one direction. And you know what? I think it's easy to follow someone that's consistent like that, to be in a long obedience in one direction. And Carol is my hero. She's the mother of our children. And in 1987, she picked up our babies. And we left the United States of God bless America. And we moved to Australia. We didn't speak the language. We didn't have a clue. <laughs> did not know how to flush a loo. Did not know how to turn on the light switch. It was just like we'd gone to the, uh, somewhere else. And I'm telling you what, that girl has stood by my side and she has been amazing. She's pastor with me there uh, in uh, Penrith in the western suburbs. You can tell this is a western suburbs accent. And, uh, you know, she's preaching next Sunday morning. I'm preaching next Sunday night. It's just a team. And so she really, she really is my hero. Hey, we had a moment uh, this afternoon uh, after lunch. We went down to uh, Gunaganoo. Uh -huh. Gunaganoo, Mike. <laughs> Get out of the water, Skippy. Uh, that's all I'll do. That's all I'll do. But, you know, we went out there to the glass house, had a nice cup of coffee. And just as we, we got in my, in my uh, car to drive back out, Carol starts playing Cloud Over uh, Tamworth by John Williamson. The Clouds Over Tamworth. So we're blasting it out. And about that time, the clouds, of course, were over. 
and the cockies come flying by, and the lightning started flashing, and the rain started coming down, and I looked over at her and I said, we're having a moment. <laughs> and thank God for the rain. Yeah. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> All right. Would you reach your hand out towards me, please, and just pray for me. Father, in these next few minutes, I cannot express the privilege, the honor I feel to be in this amazing house with this amazing family, in this amazing community, in this amazing facility. And now, Lord, in these next few minutes, please not only speak to me, but speak through me. And, Lord, we will give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Ecclesiastes 10.10, written by what many people would call the smartest man that ever lived. And there's wisdom in this book of Ecclesiastes. So I'm reading from chapter 10 and verse 10. That's a 10-10, good buddy. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. And it says this, If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength, but wisdom brings success. And so what we see here in this wisdom is that a sharp, cutting edge will cause the axe to be so much more effective. It takes effort to swing an axe. But a dull axe takes twice the effort and gets much less result. But I'm not so sure that the wisdom here is just about how to use a tool. I think the uh, reference here is about how we live our lives. You see, the most effective woodcutters know that they must stop cutting and take time to sharpen that edge. And if they don't, that edge just gets duller and duller. The harder they use it, the longer they use it, the duller it gets. And the duller it gets, the harder they have to work. Abraham Lincoln, who is known in America not only for being the president of the United States, but he was quite a cabin maker, wood chopper. He was quite an expert with an axe. And Abraham Lincoln said, if I had eight hours to chop down a tree, I would spend six of those eight hours sharpening my axe. And I think we would all agree here in this beautiful facility tonight that a good life, a successful life, a better life takes effort. It doesn't just roll out of the clouds. It takes effort. If you've got a good marriage, you've worked at it. If you've got a good life, there's been some effort involved in that. If you have a good role, a good job, a good career, whatever, I think we all would agree that the good things in life that we get to enjoy here in Australia, there's effort involved. You have to work at it, whether it be your marriage or your ministry, whether it be at school, your studies, a business, a career, even relationships. And Gloria Pitzler said this, about the only thing that comes to us without effort is old age. And everything about old age sucks except grandchildren. And that makes it worthwhile. And you know you're getting older when you reach down to tie your shoe. And you think, what else can I do while I'm down here? (laughs) Not that I know anything about that. William James is often called the father of American psychiatry. And he said this, we forget that every good that is worth possessing must be paid for in strokes of daily effort, effort. But we all know that effort and energy 
are a limited resource. We all know that we can exert and work and strive until we are shot and wasted and depleted and completely used up. Welcome to the 21st century. It doesn't take long for our cutting edge to get dull. And the duller it gets, the harder we work. And the harder we work, the less we get done. And the less we get done, the less time we have to sharpen the edge of the axe. An axe without an edge actually is better at bruising and bludgeoning than it is cutting. This is the age of the half-read page, the quick hash and the mad dash, the bright night with nerves tight, the plane hop with a brief stop, the lamp tan in a short span, the big shot in a good spot, the brain strain, the heart pain, the cat naps till the spring snaps and the fun's done. And if we do not take time to sharpen the axe, it won't be long till the fun's done. So I want to share with you this evening, in the next few moments, four ways to keep the cutting edge in your life. Four ways to make life better with less effort because our axe is sharp. Some years ago, I was asked, would I oversee uh, world missions uh, for our movement, the Australian Christian Churches, in those days, the Assemblies of God, AOG. I was already pastoring a growing church in the western suburbs of Sydney. I already had a ministry that was taking me to many places for speaking. And Brian Houston, at that time, our president, asked me what I oversee, what had been a full-time role for the, the man before me, George Forbes, and uh, would I have an office in Melbourne as well as an office in Sydney? Would I take on the oversight of 1,100 churches and the missions? And would I oversee about 150 missionaries? Now, I felt like this was an honor to be asked beyond belief. But I tell you what I did. I went up into the Blue Mountains, found myself a little cabin. I went up there for three days, and I fell on my face before God. And I said, Lord, I've been, I've been asked to do something here that's way above my capacity. I said, Father, how would I do this? How could I do this, adding all of this to it, and keep my sanity? How could I do this and not do something stupid? Because I've been known to do stupid. Lord, how could I do this and, and not, you know, commit adultery? Or not get so burnt out? Or not, or not, you know, have a breakdown? And not live with panic attacks? And not, and not, and not be... I said, how, Father, in the world... Could I do this and take this all on? And as I, I laid on the floor of a cabin by myself for three days, and as I cried out to God, I came to that verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 10. That if that axe is dull and you do not sharpen the edge, then you're going to have to work so much harder. And I said, Father, how in the world do I keep a sharp edge on the axe? And these are the four things he spoke to my heart that night in that cabin. And I'm sharing them with you right now. Are you ready to go with me? How do we keep the edge of our life sharp? Number one, rest. Now, you knew this was going to be deep, right? It's me preaching tonight. Rest. I read a quote the other day that said, rest is holy. Get some. Rest. Rest. You see, resting is a law of life, and it is a law of God. And I don't know what we think 
how virtuous this is when we talk about how we work seven days a week and we never take any time off and we go to the dawn and we're, you know, like as though we deserved a medal. You don't deserve a medal. You deserve a spanking. <laughs> the Bible says in Exodus chapter 31 and verse 15, work shall be done. Amen. And most Aussies I know, the hardest working people, work shall be done for six days. But the seventh is the Sabbath of rest. It's not just rest, it's a Sabbath of rest. There's more than just rest going on here. It's a Sabbath of rest, and it's holy to the Lord. And then it says this, whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he surely will be put to death. And I thought, Lord, don't you reckon that's a bit of overkill? Pardon the pun? <laughs> you know? But I felt, like, I felt like, wait a minute, how many know that nonstop work will kill you? It's like a self-fulfilling law. It's like not only will it put you to death, it'll also put your relationships to death. Your marriage, your family, those kids that you're only going to have home for a few minutes, your career, your ministry, it'll put everything else to death. You just work nonstop and you watch the law of death in, it, in the process. In, in Exodus chapter 34, Verse 21, six days you shall labor, but on the seventh you shall rest. Even during the plowing season and harvest season, you must rest. And then the Lord Jesus comes along in Mark chapter 6 and verse 31. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he says to the disciples, come with me. By yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Now imagine this. Now I'm sure many of you here have worked past your lunchtime or your mealtime. You just didn't even have time to eat. And that's how it was here with Jesus. But notice this. Jesus did not say, because the crowds are getting bigger and bigger, we must work harder and harder. That is not what he said the crowds, they're huge. Come on, everybody, pitch in. We're going to do more. Look at this. Wow. That's not what Jesus said. He said, let's go and get something to eat, and let's rest. Now, one day, a young man challenged an older man to an all-day wood chopping contest. The young challenger worked so hard that day, stopping only once, briefly, for a lunch break. The older man had a leisurely lunch and he took several breaks during the day. At the end of the day, the young challenger was perplexed, annoyed to find that the older fella had chopped substantially more wood than he had. I don't get it, he said. Every time I checked, you were taking a rest, and yet you ended up chopping more wood than me. Ah, but you didn't notice, said the older fella that I was sharpening my axe every single time I sat down to rest. Benjamin Franklin said, He that can take rest is greater than he that can take cities. You want to keep the edge sharp? You want to keep the marriage on course? You want to keep the business going well? You want to watch and look after your own health? And you want to prosper in your ministry or whatever it is you're doing? Here's a law for you to keep the edge sharp. you got to rest. No, 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 you got to take a day on a regular basis, and you got to rest. Number two, you got to read. Uh-huh. Reading. Reading is one of the most essential elements in sharpening the axe. 
You need to read. Leaders are readers. Reading will keep you on the cutting edge. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 3, have you not read? Then he said in Matthew 12, 5, have you not read in the law? Then he said in Matthew 19, 4, have you not read? Matthew 21, 16, have you not read? Matthew 21, 42, have you not read in the scriptures? Matthew 22, 31, have you not read? Don't you think maybe Jesus wants us to read? John Wesley said, reading Christians are growing Christians. When Christians cease to read, they also cease to grow. He also said this, he who no longer reads should get out of the ministry. Nothing sharpens the edge like a new idea, like the wonder of a fresh thought. Oh, I like that. Like going through and reading and, and through, we, we, we find experiences, we, something, the beauty of a new thought, a new idea, the miracle of something. I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't seen that before. That's what reading does. Reading is to the mind what exercise is to the body. Use it or lose it. Walt Disney said, there is more treasure in books than in all the pirate loot on Treasure Island. And best of all, you can enjoy these riches every single day of your life. Reading. Reading. Every now and then I'll come across a leader who says, oh, I don't like to read. Now, I'm not allowed to reach my hand out and slap them upside the head. But in my heart. Because you have to read. It's not even an option, especially in this day and age, unless you listen. I read and listen. I listen to podcasts and, and read. Charlie Tremendous Jones said this. You are the same today that you will be five years from now, except for two things. The people you hang out with and the books you read. Roy L. Smith said a good book contains more real wealth than a good bank. He also said some good book is usually responsible for the success of every really great man or every really great woman. And I know this is true. And through the years, I've asked people. I remember asking Pastor Gordon Gibbs years ago, Pastor Gibbs, what book, what book would you look back to that you would say was a book that really transformed your life? Uh, he told me, he said, I read the book by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Now, we're talking, about, of course, the Bible. The, everybody say the Bible. So that's a given, right? I'm talking about when you're standing on the Bible, you got to keep reading, okay? I remember asking Wally Odom, who was in our church for years. He said, the book that changed his life was Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. I asked my wife, honey, what book has changed your life? She said, the Betty Crocker cookbook. <laughs> Buddy, that book has changed my life as much as it has changed her life. I've asked through the years, different ones, one of our pastors, he said, the book Healing the Sick by T.L. Osborne. Come on now. I asked our youth pastor years ago, he said he read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, changed his life. I've been, I go, th last year I probably went through 40 books, and it's because I, I, I have audible books, and I listen all the time. I'm walking, I'm hiking, I'm cycling, and I'm going through books all the time. I just finished a book called Atomic Habits. It was so good, I went through it three times. I've changed so many things in my life over that one book. All the books I've read have really been a, to just get me to a place where one book could really move me and change me. Atomic Habits by a guy named James Clear. And I could go on and on and on. But the point is, saying I don't have time to read is like saying I don't have time to sharpen the axe. Saying I don't like to read is the same as saying I don't want to grow. Mark Twain said, the man who does not read books has no advantage over the man who cannot read books. 
And the night Teddy Roosevelt died, one of the presidents of the United States, a rough rider, Teddy Roosevelt, one of the great leaders in American history, the night Teddy Roosevelt died, when they found him dead in his bed and they reached under his body to pull him out of bed, they found a book under his pillow. He was reading until the very night he died. How do I keep my life sharp and effective? God, how do I do this role and stay sharp and effective? Son, you must rest, and you must read. And number three, you must rage. Rage. Enjoy. Have some fun. I don't mean run off with the piano player's wife. That's not what I mean when I say rage. No, 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 no. I mean, play. Come on. Get out. Golf. Sail. Go to the cricket. Work in the dadgum garden if that's what does it for you. Hike, cycle, go to the gym, pump iron, run marathons, do coffee crawls, stop and smell the roses. All work and no play makes Jack slack. You got to enjoy it. You got to rage. You got to like, I'm going to rest and I'm going to read and I'm going to, whatever it is that is, does it for your soul. You got to do it. First Timothy 6.1, command those who are rich in this present world. Not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, listen to this, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Come on, love life, travel, drink cappuccinos and macchiatos and cafe lattes, go to the movies with your best mate, eat sushi, go into the store and buy the most expensive toilet paper they make splurge on yourself you know in Genesis 21 and verse 8 it says this time went by the child grew and was weaned and Abraham gave a party to celebrate the happy occasion I mean you need to have fewer and fewer reasons why you should have more and more parties I mean the child got weaned let's have a party have more parties listen celebrate more happy occasions Celebrate people, celebrate events. In Luke chapter 15 and verse 22, Jesus tells the story. But the father said to the slaves, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. And put a jeweled ring on his finger and shoes and kill the calf we have in the fattening pen. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has returned to life. He was lost and now he is found. And the, and the, and the uh, living Bible says, so the party began. Listen, somebody said this. If your capacity to acquire has outstripped your capacity to enjoy, you're on your way to the scrap heap. Can I read that again? If your capacity to acquire has outstripped your capacity to enjoy, then you're on your way to the scrap heap. A couple of years ago, my middle daughter and I just felt it was a chance of a lifetime. We flew to Spain and we hiked the Camino de Santiago. We started in the French Pyrenees, and 900 kilometers later, 37 days later, we had our feet in the ocean on the, on the coast of Spain. It was expensive. It was incredible. It, and you know what? I thought about so many times. I could have ha- Right now, I could tell you I've got all that money in the bank. I don't. We spent it and laughed every day. And I am rich in memory. And I am rich in my soul. And I think back on that and wish to God every man could have the time with his daughter that I had with my daughter on that trip. You got to rage, baby. 
Yeah, plan it and make it happen. I'm talking about how do you keep the edge sharp. Ben Hogan, the great golfer, said, as you walk down the fairway of life, you must smell the roses because you only get to play one round. No, he didn't say you only get to play a round. He said you only get to play one round. Socrates said, enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. Think of all those women that night on the Titanic when that dessert tray came by. They said, no. It's later than you think. Come on, Pastor Daz. I'm telling you right now, bro. I rest, I read, and I rage. But number four, number four, revive. Oh, let me talk about this. Revive. You see, resting is physical, reading is mental. Raging is emotional, and reviving is spiritual. And if you think you're going to sharpen the edge of that axe without touching all four of those parts of you as a human being, the physical part of you, the mental part of you, the emotional part of you, and the spiritual part of you, you will never get the axe blade sharp without involving all four of these parts of you. I'm talking about revive. Jesus said, and we heard this already this evening quoted, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, I believe it was Pastor Helen who said this. He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, that's a good word, friend, I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you shall find for your souls. Let me read this to you from Eugene Peterson's version of the Bible called The Message. Listen to this. Tell me if you don't like this. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. In Psalm 116 and verse 7, it says this. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. He is the living water and the bread of life. He is the source of of everything wonderful and good. Jesus satisfies me completely. I'm telling you, when that blade of my life gets dull, I get restless. I'm ineffective, and there is a restlessness in my soul. I have never been able to satisfy the restlessness in my soul, except that the Lord Jesus himself satisfies me completely. I'm telling you tonight that intimacy with Jesus is the utmost, highest, supreme, premier, extreme summit experience a human being can ever have on this planet. It gets not better. There's nothing in life like intimacy with Jesus Christ. I start every day in his wonderful presence. I climb up into his lap. I put my arms around him. And I remember who he is and who I am and why I do what I do and why I put up with the people I put up with. And you should do the same. Being with him, being with him, being with him in prayer, in meditation, 
in contemplation, in exaltation, in adoration, in adulation. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about loving him, knowing him. The Bible says in Psalm 34 and verse 8, Oh, taste! Taste for yourself! Taste for yourself and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. I am that man. In Psalm 62 and verse 1, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. And I love Psalm 107 and verse 9. He satisfies the longing soul. He fills the hungry soul with goodness. Friends, Jesus is the best part of life. The sweetest part, the most rewarding, the most fulfilling part of life is knowing intimately Jesus Christ. When this old world is falling apart, it's Jesus that helps everything in my own mind and soul. Jesus holds it together in me. Jesus is what makes sense from all of the nonsense going on around me. And some of you tonight are swinging away at life, and you're swinging hard. It's not that you're not committed. It's not that you're not dedicated. It's not that you're not motivated, but your axe is dull. And you're swinging, and you're swinging, and you're swinging. And it just seems like the, my mama used to say, the hurrier I get, the behinder I get. That wasn't good English, but it was good doctrine. And some of you are swinging away. God love you. Some of you are going as tough as you can go. God bless you. But the blade is dull. And it's time. It's time to sharpen the axe. You need, you need to rest. You need to read. You need to rage. And you need to revive. And if you are spiritually dull, you may have the other three going pretty good. You may have it going on like Ding Dong Jack. If you watch Duck Dynasty, you know what I'm saying. If you didn't watch Duck Dynasty, please just delete that last part. <laughs> but if you're spiritually dull, I promise you this, it will affect every other area of your life because only Jesus can satisfy your soul completely. Only Jesus can do that. He says, come unto me. Come unto me, not religion. Come unto me. Not forms, not regulations. Come unto me. Come unto me. And so tonight, if the axe is dull and you do not sharpen it, then your life is going to be way more difficult. Hard, hard. Your life is hard. And yet there is a way for every one of us to add an edge. We can add an edge, and that edge becomes a place where we find rest. Could I have the team please come to the platform as I'm just finishing now? We need to rest. We need to find a place of rest, and don't feel guilty. Pastor Daz, years ago I read this book called When I Relax, I Feel Guilty. Can you believe somebody wrote that book? I read it twice. No joke. When I relax, I feel guilty. Listen to me, please. Relax. You need to rest. God made you to be wonderful. God made you in his image. God made you glorious. God made you to accomplish, to do things beyond belief. But you're not God. You're in a body. And you have to rest. You have to rest. And I want to encourage you and challenge you. Read. Listen. Listen to podcasts. Listen to books. Read. Read all the time. And I'm not talking about Harry Potter. 
Oh, I said that and the music came on. I'm talking about, anyway, you, you figure it out. You figure it out. But you need to read. You know what? You need to enjoy. You need to enjoy. You need to go pick your wife up and throw her in the leaves. Pile them up real high first, though, and ask her if it's okay. Ask her if she would enjoy that. And if she says yes, then, sponta- then spontaneously go pick her up. Somebody help me, all right? Hey, let's stand together. You need to rage. You need to find that life is a, is a present. Life is a gift. Life is, a, is wonderful. And man, if you're too busy acquiring and not enjoying what you're acquiring, stop it. Stop it. You need to find that place of being able to hold your babies. You need to find that place of being able to gather people around you. You need to throw parties over the least little thing. I mean, you need to, you need to rage. And can I just say this with all my heart before I turn this back to pastor? You need to revive. You need to find in Jesus the source of joy. You need to find in Jesus the source of life. You need to find in Jesus the source of a satisfied soul and a satisfied life. I love you. God bless you. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.